Happy New Year and welcome back to Sarah's Space. I guess I should welcome myself back too after a little bit of a hiatus. I am ready to, I guess, enter 2020 and embark on a new sharing of thoughts, feelings, ideas, and I guess possible advice. I don't even like saying that. Sounds pretentious, but there we go. Uh, I am again alone today. I have uh, plans to bring some more guests towards, not towards you, but <laughs> I guess they'll come in towards you with their voices. Uh, I'll be bringing some more guests on Sarah's space in the next little while. Uh, but in the interim, I thought that we could possibly start January 2020 in a reflective and yet forward-thinking, hopeful, open-minded manner as there is so much going on in the world at large and much of it is really quite difficult to take and to absorb fully appreciating uh, what it means to the people that are actually directly affected in the moment. Uh, we, I, I do believe that all of humanity is greatly affected by everything that's going on, but the direct effect is always the most painful. And so I would like to just take a moment to appreciate that and extend my great thoughts of warmth and peace and calm and weather changes and presidential changes and <laughs> many other changes that should hopefully bring some relief and possible uh, goodness to the planet. That would be my desire uh, for 2020 for sure. And as things happen sometimes in one's own personal, personal sphere, uh, there has been a lot on my mind of late and a great deal of concern and worry for uh, those close to me and the desire to to not only address that in an effective and helpful manner, but also to stay healthy myself. And in thinking about that, it, of course, reaches further and makes me think about, well, as a, a teacher or in a mentoring role, I feel it is my job to keep reminding my students, charges, um, counterparts, peers, etc., that we really need to take care of ourselves in order to effectively take care of someone else. And we aren't really honoring the process of healing unless we are making sure that we are as healed in the moment as we can be. And I guess I don't mean that as a finished product, I mean that more as a sense of feeling like you are addressing any possible depletion of sleep or food or water or time uh, and hopefully not only just addressing it mentally but uh, being effective in changing that but also that you are thinking about the fact that your interaction with yourself reflects very much on your interaction with others so even if your best intentions are to give, 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 and to constantly be reaching out and constantly being available and constantly being there for a particular someone or many someones, if you aren't taking care of your own sense of give to yourself, it comes across and you end up seeming a little distracted or empty or exhausted. And, and it, inadvertently, you end up hurting that person or those many persons because then they kind of feel 
like they're taking something from you or possibly affecting you negatively without necessarily even knowing what's going on. So there's one reflection I was having. Uh, at this moment, I'm going to interrupt too to just say there might be some interesting ambient sounds occurring because today I decided not to shut myself in my special room, but to keep the door open. So that does invite furry friends to come jingle their bells <laughs> that are around their neck and possibly crawl into my lap for strokes and purr. So if should you hear such interesting noises, that's what's going on. I'm being joined by my feline counterparts. Oh, sorry, I was looking down at one of them looking blinkingly up at me. Um, okay, and back to the taking care of oneself. Uh, let me talk about that from a more holistic and general perspective first. Uh, as well, there's many things afoot. One of them is, is that I am, I have always conducted, held injury prevention and health maintenance workshops. They have either been given to students as sort of a special circumstance outside class hours, or they have been a designated class hours that I've said, this is what's going to be happening, or else I actually hold a workshop. Those workshops are usually two to two and a half hours long. And in that workshop, I have a two-page sort of handout that we go through. And the very last of the second page is just about sort of daily things that we should be doing. And we rarely make it to that part with enough time to really, I think, address it effectively. And so I just thought that I would take this moment now to address that. Because the other part of this conversation is is that this year I also wanted to embark on a, on a slightly more formal uh, incarnation of something I have been doing my whole teaching life, which is to try to help uh, movers, dancers, individually discern how their body most effectively will be able to do certain technical things that they are doing, and possibly how to unwind uh, physical patterns that are causing them injurious feelings and or physical manifestations of injury. And that is something else I would like to actually start holding workshops for as well. This isn't meant to be a shameless advertisement, just a heads up. <laughs> I'm just sort of saying this is where my mind is at. So it really has been, um, I guess, sort of a coming of age for me to fully embrace holistic health and holistic mindset in regards to health in in everything that I say, do, and will future conduct myself towards. Because for years and years, there have been such things as sports psychologists, and of course, physiotherapists, and massage therapists, and chiropractors, and acupuncturists, and acupressurists, and a variety of, of uh, therapists within that genre. Then there's also osteopaths, there's doctors, there's, oh my goodness me, there's regular psychologists, there's counselors, there's psychiatrists, there's all these amazing professionals that hopefully are providing great care and expertise to their clientele. And I understand that, of course, when one is trying to be an expert in a field, you really do need to focus and concentrate upon that field. But I have often found that in that sometimes really central focus, some little details on the sides get a little bit missed. And because my field of expertise is in movement as opposed to a specialized looking or learning aspect about movement, I feel as though sometimes I can look at 
a, a dancer and, and see that the block of what they're trying to do is not actually coming from their body. First and foremost, it's coming from the way they're feeling about it or thinking about it or looking at it, or maybe just rethinking what they've been told. And I find that this particular season entering into for the amateur and youth and uh, pre-graduate students, this is the season of competition and preview shows and uh, ballet exams and tap exams and ISTD modern exams and lots of different, shall we say, challenges and tests lie ahead. Most of them are governed by a huge surge of adrenaline, which again, adds a component to our bodies and our the way our bodies move that we are not necessarily 100% able to govern in the moment or to uh, mitigate. And that sometimes can lead to almost like a a surge of energy or a steroidal effect that, that allows us not to really feel what's going on and to maybe do something that we wouldn't do with our quote unquote, right mind. So here's what I'm thinking. Rather than uh, focusing on, oh, you need to massage this, so you need to stretch this, I feel as though I have, I have spoken about that in the past on Sarah Space. I, I speak on it almost every day in classes that I teach. I think that I can just reiterate right now that you're, if you are working with your body daily, and your expectations are that your body will do certain things that may or may not be easy for it, may or may not be natural for it, and generally speaking, ballet is not natural for our bodies, as are many other forms of movement in the in the planet, on the planet, um, then you really need to make sure that you reward or reciprocate or cooperate with your body in the sense that you appreciate and give back. So things about giving back, and this is where I go into the more holistic perspective. In a new year like this, so many people start off with these amazing rushes of in good intention and resolution and expectation for great change. And I feel like I caution you, I feel like I want to caution you to perhaps approach that in a more measured manner in a way that allows you to see that you may have some goals ahead, you may have some desires to change, some desires to improve, some desires to succeed, but if you suddenly go from zero to 60, you are adding a layer of stress to your body that is following you around as you're now trying this thing that may be quite challenging, if that makes sense. It's kind of as though on the morning of a great big test at school, you have three cups of coffee, um, you're late, so you're rushing, um, you miss your bus, it's pouring rain, you slip and fall and smash your tailbone as hard as you can, and then you get to where you're about to have your test, and there's a lineup of people that refuse to budge, and thereby you are now put into adrenal overload and feeling you know, at a complete loss of control. Uh, that I guess that's sort of my... Uh, extreme example of what we sometimes do to ourselves when we wake up on January 1st and say, and now I will fill in the blank. So in a sort of more coaching manner to the world at large, I feel as though we need to set out our goals, set out our challenges, 
and then understand that in order to reach them, we need to be caring for ourselves along the way. So, for instance, perhaps your goal is a simple physical one in which you would like to go from uh, a particular technical achievement to a higher technical achievement. Let's just use a pirouette because it's a sort of a simple one. We'll go from a double pirouette to a triple pirouette. Now, does that mean you're suddenly going to start ferociously flinging yourself in for that third turn and getting so upset when it doesn't work out? Or does that mean that you are going to take it upon yourself that if it doesn't work in the first week, then you know, you're know you abject failure and, and really should give it up? And does that mean that you are going to look to any dancer who may be lucky enough to have a more natural sense of rotation uh, in the center of the core of their body so that turning is less of a challenge and you're going to think, I, I'll never do it. Or does that mean you're going to say, okay, so this is my goal. At some point this year, I will reach it. I'm starting now. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start adding on technical hints I've been given by teachers that I trust. And I'm hopefully going to be finding a way of uh, absorbing them physically so that they manifest themselves in success and you know what I'll probably have good days and I'll have bad days and I might have days where it just doesn't make sense to me physically and I'll be okay with that because it's the very same thing as having tired days and awake days and I think that's what I'm getting at is is that I guess in a roundabout way we treat different aspects of ourselves so differently from the basic things like up and down. So if I don't sleep well enough and I'm restless and maybe I don't even a lot enough hours, I'm gonna wake up tired. Now, if I take that tired self and I go out into my day and my goal was to be kinder to everyone around me and to maybe drive more cautiously or to walk more cautiously or to snap at people less or to take more patience with everything I do, that is gonna be a very difficult goal to achieve. If I add to that maybe some sort of false senses of uh, well-keeping, well-being, such as a warm cup of coffee and maybe a nice big muffin, which is not really fueling my body in a long-standing way, and the caffeine, of course, is gonna give me a little bit of a low afterwards, so will the muffin just because of the sugar content in it, I, I'm, I'm not holistically treating myself fairly. Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like I have wandered a bit in my conversation, but what my main point is, is, is that in order to achieve our goals and in order to stay healthy enough to achieve our goals, whatever they may be, whether they be of a more physical nature or a more psychological nature, we need to regard our entire selves. So that means our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being, our physical well-being, and hopefully our emotional well-being as well. And for that, we need sleep. And I get often asked, well, what's the right amount of sleep? Well, sleep scientists will say eight hours is very necessary. And as we age, we need less. I think that as a generality, I would agree. As a specificity, I would disagree. I have always needed more sleep than many, many people I know. And I am finding myself, well, underslept on a regular basis, I would say, either because of late hours or the inability to quiet my spirit enough to soundly sleep, or because of early mornings coupled with the aforementioned, 
or just simply because sometimes you go to bed so sore, you're, you never really fully rest. So then I go backwards and I start sort of chipping away at that. And I think, okay, so I didn't allot myself enough hours. So what did that mean? Was that poor time management? Did I schedule too much? Is that just simply when I get home from work? Did I then sit up and I don't know, did I read too late? Did I check emails too late? Did I eat food? Let's say, let's say food of an energizing nature too late, or did I have treats, which would definitely energize me in a, in a negative way? Uh, or did I have two cups of coffee that day, which generally doesn't allow me to sleep as well as just having one. So that's for me, that's a personal thing. Um, the other thing, of course, is drinking plenty of water, because if we're moving our bodies, and that's the assumption here, then we need to hydrate our muscles and our brains. And we need to make sure that we are keeping our system flushing constantly and remembering that our bodies are around 70% water anyway. So we need to keep refilling it if we are sweating uh, or we are just simply living. Because just think about all the watery parts on your face, like your mouth that you're hearing me speak with right now, or the inside of your nasal cavity or your eyeballs. And so just whenever you're thinking, oh, well, I do, I really need the water. Yes, you do. There's one. There's two, actually, the sleep and the water. The third one is, and this one, I guess, would be of a more contentious nature, and that would be that uh, some reading I did last year about uh, a psychologist wrote a book on toxicity and the toxicity syndrome, which was just a term that's been sort of trendily coined lately. And that's when we are surrounded by things that make us feel bad, and they're either we surround ourselves with those things or we are inadvertently thrust into that environment or we are in a perfectly neutral environment but the people that come into that environment bring with them a toxicity now my belief is is that toxicity sometimes is inherent in a human being because they have so much going on for themselves of a negative nature that there's you know self-hatred and loathing and and perhaps abuse of some sort. And they can't help but exude that. And if there happens to be a, a mental uh, instability as well that isn't being cared for in a way that's healing, then it just adds to the whole thing. If you cross paths with someone of that nature, that one would think would be more accidental. If you happen to uh, you know, be highly affected by an interchange with someone in, in a rather innocent setting like a Starbucks or a, or a grocery store or on the street or on a bus. My reminder to all of you is to sort of say a little inner mantra while maintaining physical safety, but a little inner mantra that says, I have no idea what this person's gone through. I, I have no idea what their day's been like, their life's been like, what's happened for them or to them. And right now I just need to breathe and I need to maintain vigilance and safety, but I can't, I can't get involved in, in where they're at because that then is giving over any power I have over my own health to someone who doesn't even have power over themselves. There's one thought. Another one is, is that sometimes we are around people or have people in our lives that we feel as though, well, it's good for us, you know, um, it's a challenge. Uh, getting along with this person is a challenge. Or or I find they challenge me. Uh, that word comes up a lot. 
or sometimes it's it's more of a, a a teaching figure in which we feel like we need to suck it up and you know learn how to take it if if they have ineffective ways of imparting their information well i probably will alienate a small portion of the population here but i do feel as though if you are in charge of a child what you need to tell that child is trust yourself if you are feeling attacked unnecessarily then you need to take a deep breath protect your inside self and and share that with someone that you trust after that incident and then determine whether or not there's a way that you can change that for the future if you are just feeling and I'll use this phrase, like you are being picked on, again, you might take a moment, reflect, look at the person who's, I'm using um, quotation marks in the air here, picking on you and think, is that how they are all the time? Is that their way of talking? Are they incapable of um, neutrality? Are they incapable of being gentle? Are they incapable of sharing or articulating information or advice or direction without some sort of tone that places them in a position of superiority and you in a position of subordination and possibly also showing favoritism in the in the long run that usually brings up feelings of feeling picked on or is that their twisted way <laughs> of, of trying to let you know that they believe in you and they're trying to push you to success if so and there's also a thousand other paradigms we could use here. What I'm basically trying to say is you don't know. So don't take it on in a fashion that makes them have the ability to make you feel a certain way. You make the decisions about how you feel. You can say to yourself, wow, um, uh, Mrs. Fifi, really, or Mr. Fala, I, you know, me and my names. <laughs> really picked on me today or tonight or this week and I didn't like it and I didn't like the way it made me feel well I I caution you to use a different way of speaking and to say I didn't like the way I felt so I need to change that because maybe they're incapable of any other way and if I continue to put myself in that environment if I continue to work with that person or through um, a situation with that person, then I'm wanting to learn something out of it. And what I'm learning about myself is, is that their behavior really affects me. And I have the ability to not override it, but to overcome it and to recognize that their behavior is theirs and my reaction is mine. And of course, this is a lot of um, pretty big uh, opinion. And it is coming from the perspective of somebody that myself that I can say is very strong in my center and feel very confident in my own perspective and haven't been easily swayed by people trying to make me feel bad over the years. In some cases, I have to say that they're, they're sometimes in immediate reflection, it's actually funny because I just think, oh my goodness, the only way you, the person, was going to feel good today or were going to feel good today was to make me feel bad. How sad is that? <laughs> it just, my goodness. So my, my biggest um, advice coming from my own personal opinion is that always treat yourself as an entire being. 
the way you are taking in the world around you, the way you are or aren't sleeping, drinking water, eating healthily, is reflected in every aspect of ourselves. So our emotional well-being at the time, our spiritual, our physical, and of course our mental. And each one is, they're all holding hands. So if one is being tugged in one direction or repressed or, or beaten from the side, and let's just use the physicality because that's something that dancers and athletes tend to do consistently, you know that everything else is being taken down with it which then lowers our resistance in our immune system, which then gives us more propensity for sickness and or injury. So it's really important to think about how connected and whole we are as beings and how important it is to, to respect that and to treat it as such. When we are about to embark on what appears to be from my own personal calendar anyways, a rather busy and daunting season. And I guess my my brand new outlooks for 2020 it's funny because my daughter just asked me that the other day do i have any resolutions and i definitely was a resolution type person probably up until my late 20s and then somewhere along the lines i just kind of thought well i'd like to have goals or i'd like to have um thoughts but i don't want to call them resolutions because it's too much pressure and then sometime after that i thought I don't even like doing that. I, I'm just going to make it as any other day. But that was kind of a lie to myself because I really do operate very well <laughs> within um, a goal-setting structure. It's, it's kind of my personality. And so my brand new outlook for this year is, is that my emotional well-being, which is of a passionate character, highly emotionally sensitive, uh, very easily touched by things both sad and happy, I'm finding that with extra strain on it because of things close to me in my life, I am physically paying for it immediately. And I need to take care of that. And not only because I'm, I'm wanting to be a healthier, more whole person, but I'm aging. And I have a lot of responsibilities and uh, my job does not provide sick days and life as a mama does not provide sick days. So my outlook is breathing more as I do so now and trying to add to the day. Everyone has their own practice, so to speak. That's a, a very catchy word nowadays. And a lot of it um, centers around yoga or mindfulness or um, sometimes a spiritual slash religious practice. Mine is getting outside and getting into nature and preferably nature, nature, not just a park. Uh, I also really benefit from being in the wind. I've always thought of wind as being this amazing gift from nature to cleanse if one can. <laughs> I have a strong memory of being 18 and being oh homesick beyond words and being taken to the North Sea for the day. And I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never been to the North Sea before. And it was right off the coast of Amsterdam. And it was dark and stormy and white-capped. And I will describe it as looking angry. I anthropomorphized nature there. 
and the sky was seemed very close to it and seemed almost to reflect the same textures and colors and hues and I I just remember the cold bracing wind and feeling somehow so much better inside I think part of it was recognizing that wow nature is so grand and so powerful and so much more powerful than this tiny world I'm fighting with inside my own head. It is also spectacular. And it is also exquisitely beautiful still when it looks, quote unquote, angry. And that was part of what I was dealing with is, is coming to terms with what I perceived as a flaw, which was, you know, my, my darker, more angry, more um, forthright self. And, and that is interesting because I feel as though the beginning of accepting one's flaws, which hopefully occurs earlier in life rather than later, is the beginning of sort of becoming friends with your flaws and learning that you can live with them and you can certainly help them out to change and or to improve in a positive manner, but that they are just as valid as your perceived uh, assets. And that North Sea moment was that for me. And it certainly wasn't the first time that I looked towards nature for some relief and, and peace and calming. I think I've been doing that since I was a very small child. And now I'll actually make a concentrated effort to go for a bracing walk either by myself or um, because Kira, my daughter, is so often with me, I will not drag her along. <laughs> I will gently encourage her to come with me. And she sometimes says, oh, mama, you're going too fast. But it's just that little uh, burst of energy and that having to breathe in a little bit more uh, voraciously, which brings me back to a sort of a more centered state of mind. And it's actually very helpful for her too, being of my gene pool. So I think that's... I mean, that's just me sharing what works for me. Everyone's going to have something that works for them. Some uh, are very subtle and quiet, like sitting and listening to some music or stroking your cat or your dog or just going for a walk um, on a city street or writing in your journal or practicing yoga or going to Pilates or having a sip of herbal tea and writing a poem or painting or you know the list goes on there there is no right or wrong way just like there are no right or wrong people that everyone's different and I guess that's what I mostly wanted to address today is uh, to embrace those differences and 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 accept them as wonderful challenges oh and on that note using that word oh excuse me um as we are embarking on a season which can be uh, for these students that are in, uh, involved in the heavy training programs, it can be so much um, around focused around competition. I think it's important to to think about for ourselves uh, if we happen to be guides as either parents or teachers uh, to think about the fact that a competition really should only be with ourselves. And that if we find students are starting to get emphatically involved in the who won, who didn't win, what level they won at, we need to bring them back to the center and remind them that, listen, 
how do you feel about what you did on stage? How do you feel it came across your hours of preparation, um, your your hours of your teachers, choreographers, um, seamstress, parents preparation? How, do, how are you feeling about that? Because that's the most important thing. The results are always going to be somewhat, uh, well, they're subjective. They're also, uh, they're so they're so in the moment that I mean that is subjectivity, but it, they are they are not the most important aspect of it. It is wonderful to be recognized for things that we feel we have done well, but we are our best recognizers, not a real word, but let's use it right now of that. So in those moments, say to yourself, you know what? I I did a really great job or I did so much better than last time I ran that. Or I feel like I went to a different place in my artistic interpretation. All of those things are beyond valid. They are incredibly important. And I feel like that's something we can keep reminding ourselves if we're entering into a performance season or our students if we are teaching them through a performance season. And I guess I tend to not even use the word competition because in the old days it was festivals, which I really love that. That sounds like a whole bunch of people getting together and doing something similar and celebrating it. I liked that word. <laughs> and I also like the word performance uh, because that's what you're doing. If you're thinking about it as a competition, whether well, there should be a finish line or a goal or and when I say goal, I don't mean you're setting for yourself um, an abstract goal, but there should be a goal net that you can kick a ball into. Otherwise, dance itself is a subjective experience and the audience, also including the adjudicator and or uh, if they like to be called judges, which I don't like the word either, um, it's their opinion, albeit hopefully a very expert one, hopefully a very uh, open-minded and unbiased one. But being an adjudicator myself, I think it's incredibly important to remember that uh, the, the experience of working on your on your solo or your group or your duet or your trio and putting it on stage is at least 80% of the value the 20% is that culmination and that glorious feeling of of achievement that you can reach on stage if all goes in the direction that you wanted it to the end result of someone providing professional feedback to you is to have someone giving you perhaps a dis a, a another opinion of a direction that your work could take or an, an ob uh, objective opinion of how they see you, which is again an opinion, or possibly some feedback on what they saw in that moment that just needed a little bit more polish detail work, etc. And I think that if one really looks at it in that more analytical, analytical sense, rather than uh, getting it too tied up into the more immediate and instantaneous and obvious win-lose situations of sports or pass-fail situations of, of written exams, academic exams, then I think it's very helpful. And then it really truly does become a learning experience because nowadays having oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve opportunities to perform one piece on stage, different stages. That is amazing. 
And that is definitely something to appreciate and to, to set your own inner goals and your own inner, um, I'll use the word agenda for. So yeah, it's a, it's a new year. It's time to uh, examine our inner outlook and how it is going to reflect outwardly. And it is definitely time to remember that taking care of ourself starts from the inside and is in charge of everything. Uh, our, our own care of ourself is how we care for those around us. And on that note, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And it's lovely to um, share Sarah's space with you again. And we will do so again in the very near future. Thank you so much.